0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 89 of the Whiskey & Watches podcast. Uh, We're pretty excited. We have a couple of guests with us tonight. We have both Wes and Cullen from Notice Watches. So, gentlemen, it's a pleasure having you on. Wes, for the second time, uh, great to have you guys. We're pretty excited about this
1: episode. Thanks for having us. It's good uh, good for me to be back, at least. And good to have my counterpart here this
2: time. Good to be here for the first time.
0: Yes, we're, we're pretty excited. And as, as everybody knows uh, or who listens to the podcast, we always start out with a wrist check and a drink check. So, uh, Colin, you're the newest. Um, we're going to go ahead and let you go first.
2: <laughs> oh, man. I got the least exciting uh, stuff to share. My, my wrist right now is nothing because I'm sick, and my drink right now is water because I'm sick. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> So I just I had all four of my wisdom teeth taken out, and I'm like high off ibuprofen. I'm in a daze. I'm just trying to get by, and hopefully I don't t- talk about some weird crap. Yeah, I was uh, gonna
1: say this is the episode where all your uh, the skeletons in your closet float to the surface.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was uh, prescribed some heavier painkillers, but I decided to forego that for now. Uh, I've just been in between acetaminophen and, and ibuprofen, but uh, I'm like. Skirting like the super, like the upper limits of what I should be consuming. It's like thirty-two hundred oh. milligrams a day. <laughs> so like, like they prescribe me at eight hundred milligram, like tablets of ibuprofen, which are freaking massive. Yeah, <laughs> it's like for a horse or something. <laughs> but uh, I've been taking that every six hours because the pain just doesn't go away. So I'm on day five now, and unfortunately, I can't drink. I don't think I. I don't think I should. They, yeah, they, he said. They no, shouldn't. that's a terrible. Uh, idea. Probably not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, probably. I really want one, and <laughs> yeah, no watch because I don't wear watches in bed. So, mm-hmm. well, I'll, yeah. I'll drink
1: for the you, two of us then. <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> all right. What do, what do you drinks?
1: Yeah. Um. So I'm actually drinking a rum because I'm out of whiskey. What? Yeah, I'm drinking a rum. I'm out of whiskey, so I figured. Uh, it's, it's close enough. I do have a beer in the fridge for later. Brown. Um, and on the wrist, I have the Sector Field Malibu on a Cincy NATO. Nice. I, I saw that when you
0: posted that today. I saw that you had the Cincy Strapco NATO on that. Yep. It looks killer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is the combo. I think, so Cullen was telling me when we when we uh, just launched it that he thinks that this is the most popular one. And I just, I didn't get it because the red version, the Redwood dial is the one that I, I really like. But something about having it on on a strap like this really makes this one sing.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. no that's a that's a fantastic color combination right there. All right, well I'll, I'll keep I'll keep going. So I I'm gonna steal a little bit of a bit from our other friends out in Oregon
1: <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> and do the, uh, the the beer tab on the uh, on that. Now I'm gonna nurse this one slowly. So I have in here. It's in a it's in a yeti can, so these guys can't see it. So I'll pop it out real quick and try to not spill on my computer. Um, one of the local breweries slash brew pubs here, Taft's Ale House, does a pumpkin pie ale with frishes, uh, oh. which is the local big boy chain here. And I like these types of beers. Like there's another brewery around here called Mad Tree that does a pumpkin, so a, a pumpkin ale. All those kinds ty- types of beers around this time of year, I like them. But I can only have one, just because the flavor—it's a good, rich flavor—and it's not a beer that you're gonna want to drink more than one of, mm-hmm. because it just gets to be like this midway through the second. When you're like, "Oh, this is just getting really heavy," just because of the the flavor profile of it. It's not—it's not, it's not an, a light, easy drinker. It's a good dessert beer sipper. So that's why it's mm-hmm. like, all right, I've gotta, I've gotta behave tonight, um, because we're getting closer and closer to the due date, as everybody on the podcast knows, and everybody who listens has probably heard me talk about ad nauseum. So uh, we switched from uh, from whiskey to, to one beer tonight. I figured that should be enough in case I get woken up in the middle of the night. And then on my wrist, I have um, my Notice uh, Retrospect. I believe this is Retrospect 2, mm-hmm. the Salmon Dial. And um, I also have it on a Cincy Strap Co. Uh, I have it on his, like, Marine Nationale-style one. And it's an olive drab green with a red stripe, which just, I think, works great with the Salmon Dial. It's It's probably probably my favorite combination like my favorite watch to wear with this strap yeah. um and when i put this strap on this watch i wear them both like more like when i put this strap on a different watch i don't wear it as much mm. and then when i when i don't have this watch on this strap i don't quite wear it as much in the rotation this combination gets a ton of risk yeah. time yeah, yeah that it's looks just good. it's comfy the colors really work and it's awesome awesome all right buzzy bring us home
3: all right uh, I will uh, I will second the uh, elastic NATO strap just overall uh, Get one Have have fun with the uh, with the colors because uh, it all seems like like they at least have like a racing stripe on them I was very impressed with the the comfort and I'm not I like NATO's but I don't use them but like, all that much Um But really big, big fan there. I agree also on your uh, pumpkin beer take. Uh, One good pumpkin beer that I had, like, God, probably eight years ago at this point, and never again since, was uh, from Kennebunkport Brewing Company by way of Trader Joe's. So this is, like, the most absurd supply chain ever, right? But uh, I was a fan. It It was quite good. All right, uh tonight I'm more on uh the Colin uh team when it comes to the drinks. I am rocking a Twinings decaffeinated Earl Grey. Oh yeah. It's 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 a delight. It really it's a good uh full robust decaf. Uh, plus Twinings. Uh, every time I say it, uh, I just think of like how funny it would be if it was Twinings. Like you, you could only drink their tea if you were dressed similarly to someone else. Um, that makes me smile.
2: I always call it Twinings. I don't know why. Hell yeah! But uh, thank you for joining me with the, uh, as well as the Wired earphone.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's
2: right. That's right. Because. We got two fancy people over here with their AirPods. No, <laughs> I agree. I can't connect my AirPods to my freaking laptop, so I, I gotta use these things. Yeah,
3: um, I don't even have uh, any. Not not fancy. Not fancy <laughs> at all. Although I might be asking for some for Christmas. You know, if that still works in your mid thirties, we'll, we'll find out.
0: <laughs> it might. <laughs> Um, well, Buzzy, we know your mom listens, so maybe... maybe she uh, does. That's right.
3: That's a good point. It's a good point.
0: Buzzy's mom. Right. He wants some AirPods. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's right. Okay. My, my wrist check has a tenuous connection to notice. I've got my Seiko SNZH-57, the 55 Fathoms, but it is on a Barton Band's Silicone Elite Black Strap, which is the exact one that came with Spence's uh, (laughs) retrospect. (laughs) I'm borrowing it from him. So, yep, nice. Yes, I uh, completely understand why uh, you include them with so many of your watches, they are just like utterly perfect. Uh, And my favorite way to to wear this 55 fathoms mm-hmm. the the black strap works with the the gilt and it's like supremely comfortable and and you're not missing much from the stock bracelet cuz it's eh, you know it's all right but do they still make of the bracelet No I I don't think so um you can find some some old new old stock on Amazon uh, or, or failing that, have a, a very thoughtful listener that uh, has one that he wasn't wearing uh, anymore, and uh, offer to sell it to you. Yeah,
2: that's because they changed what. to the uh, the new logo, right? And then with the all that new stuff.
3: Yes, I, mean, and I, I have not I been
2: keeping up with a lot of what Seiko's been doing. I mean, we can talk about this later, but <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting what they've been what they've been doing and uh, what they've been coming out with. Um, yeah, I
3: don't care for that new logo. It's just, it looks, it looks off, it looks sideways. I don't know. Give me, give me the old school. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm uh, drinking and wearing.
0: Well, there we go. Well, gentlemen, we've, it's, it's been a while since we've, we've talked to, well, I mean, Cullen ever but Wes it's been it's been quite some time and you guys have been up to quite a bit over the last uh I'd say probably roughly 12 months since we had you on um you know I know you guys have had a couple of releases a couple of you know new dial new dial colors with with all the things that you guys have you know had come out you've got some stuff coming out here in the next few weeks few months um why don't you why don't you walk us through what 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 a year 2021 has been um I know it was funny we were talking about this time last year hoping the pandemic was you know getting closed we could we could start traveling again and all that and it's opened up a bit but it's still mm-hmm. still that thing that kind of keeps lingering it's uh it's
1: interesting yeah.
0: so you guys have you yeah, guys have well, done quite a bit i mean we, we were joking earlier like ah, oh, we'll probably do a release next year it's like you guys have done like four releases this
1: year <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely been quite a year to say the least and uh i mean you, you can't have a podcast without asking, like, what have you been up to right over the past, I guess, 18 months, 19 months now. Um, but it's it's always a hard question to answer because it's like it, it feels like it's been so much longer than two years at this point. You know, it feels like 2019 was literally like like a lifetime ago. Um, and like since then, despite the fact that we we're all stuck at home and, and I guess not trying not to do too much for uh, for COVID's sake. A lot has actually happened for us, like in terms of releases and and some of the new projects that a year ago we wouldn't even be able to talk about publicly, um, but you know recently, like last week we had an event where we started showing off all the projects we've been working on. Uh, I drove across the country this year um, it, yeah, we expanded to Seattle, so we have a fulfillment hub in Seattle now, or Everett technically, which is an hour north of Seattle. Um, New new releases. Well, I guess re-releases. We have a, a new new model coming out next year at some point, um, and then end of this year we have the Avalon two coming out. So there's a lot a lot of different spinning plates that we've been balancing over the past eighteen months. But we're finally starting to see a, a lot of that work come to fruition.
2: Yeah, I've only been to Everett. I've like that's the only place I've traveled, I think, in the past. Yeah, yeah, I think Freaking, so. Uh, so that was my only time on a plane the past 19 months. Uh, I'm itching to get out of here. I'm 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 gonna dart as soon as I can. I'm going to I'm going to Austria. I'm going to Vienna like in November. So I'll be there for like a week or two. Um, hope nothing bad happens. Uh, other than that, it's just uh, just working on releases. Um, you know, fulfillment's off our hands now. So it's it's a lot. Uh, things are a lot smoother over here now like before back when we released things we would have to juggle fulfillment packaging as well as literally everything else um but things are a lot smoother now um like as we're talking there are watches being shipped out without without us doing anything which is um which is a godsend so really good stuff
0: i don't see either of you stuffing boxes or envelopes right now that's uh so
1: (laughs) (laughs) We spend a lot less money on band-aids for all the paper cuts. So that's definitely a blessing.
3: (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. So, and it's obviously a a big improvement, uh, to to have another site to do fulfillment. Um, You've been able to be pretty successful uh, with getting four and you know, it seems like five uh, re-releases out this year. Has uh, the supply chain woes been? Is it have that been? In, have they been impacting any of these launches or?
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of like could, stop and go yeah. traffic, right? Where like. Every time we start to go, we're like, all right, here we go, we're moving, we're about to, and then we stop again. And stop and go traffic is way worse than just stopping for a longer
2: period of time and then like building that momentum back up. Um, so, yeah. It's just like the weirdest things that are happening now. It's like, okay, COVID happened, you know, uh, supply chain goes back, like ramps up again, and then suddenly you don't have electricity in the factories because China is cutting off electricity to literally the entire country. Um, so you ask any anyone, any brand from any industry that utilizes or sources anything from China, they're gonna tell you there's delays. Um, it's just the uh, it's just the reality we have to f- that we're facing right now. Uh, but you know, it's just how it is, and we just have to get past it. We still have releases, and we're looking forward to getting them out.
1: Honestly, after last year, I feel like we can get through anything.
2: You know, twenty twenty was a real test yeah. for
1: for everyone. <laughs> so. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, but yeah, to answer your question, there are a few hurdles that we're experiencing now, uh, and chances are when this hurdle's gone, the next one's going to show up. And again, after that, so we're just, we have to roll with mm-hmm. the punches.
2: Yeah. And then that, you know, the long beach, like, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the port, what you call it? Yeah. The, the long beach port, all the, sh- all the ships backed up and then it's going to freaking last for years. So like the, the effects of this. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah. So I,
1: I live in Long Beach. I'm uh, right in downtown Long Beach right now, and the beach is like a five, ten minute walk down that way. And from, from the shoreline, you can see off into the distance all the ships. But like two, three years ago, it used to be that there was only one ship out there. On on average, there was one, maybe two ships that you could see. But now that you can see ship off into the distance and like disappears beyond the horizon, which is absolutely insane. Um, but the, the good part of that is that because I live here, I have a direct line of sight and I can, I know exactly when the supply chain eases up and we can start rolling again once the ships disappear. <laughs> I mean, uh. the, the way you're making it sound,
0: it's almost like, so when I used to live in Milwaukee, this is a while ago and I would drive to South Bend cause that's where my now wife lived at the time I would, depending on the time of day, when I would drive through Chicago, I would drive past O'Hare on the freeway. And if you look and you know that all the planes land a certain way, you could see them kind of stacked up, mm-hmm. but airplanes land a lot quicker than ships come into port, so what you're describing sounds insane that there are that many ships just completely backed up uh and they don't move fast no
1: on on <laughs> like, account, like, I like think air traffic they said, does yeah, I think they said there are about eighty nine ships out there and Typically, the average is one. So you can you can see now why oh, Biden awesome. signed the order for for the uh, both L.A. and Long Beach port to do 24 hour shifts, because if they don't do that, it, it's going it, to literally it's going to take years for us to get some of that stuff. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I just on there is, organic crap is in
2: there oh right? really yeah it's organic stuff
1: not not all but there like, there's definitely some organic stuff or, I don't know if organic's the right word, uh, word but like wood things things like wood that has yeah. a long shelf life but can't necessarily be sitting out on the water for that long yes yeah that's wild yeah obviously there's, there's yeah. smuggling drugs through there too I think that's probably the, the bulk of what's taking up all the space <laughs> stuffed in like the teddy bears and all that
2: <laughs> you watch too many movies man <laughs>
1: Uh,
0: yeah. Just and and you know you combine that with was it, it was was it in, still in twenty twenty one or was it in twenty twenty when we had the ship stuck in the Suez Canal exactly
3: like, I was just I mean to
0: bring all the shipping off. stuff like you yeah. just take it all for granted and now you got eighty nine ships off the coast of California yeah you, you had a ship stuck in the Suez Canal for three weeks or whatever it was it's just like. What is going on?
3: Yeah, but the one stuck in the Suez was like that was cheeky and fun. Like the just be, we can't, mm-hmm. all, you know, having them all stacked up because they're not getting unloaded. That's tragic. Yeah, Like, yeah. Who doesn't? It's not love as fun. A yeah. little Bodie boy stuck in a canal. That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually like kind of sad when it got got unplugged, and then <laughs> then I was kind of pumped that some another one got stuck, but it, it got free real quick.
0: The, the image that is always going to be burned into my head is that one excavator near this massive, yeah. like <laughs> this guy's got it. He's yeah. got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, it's good to hear you guys are, are kind of, you guys have, you guys have navigated the supply chain issues. You know, I know, I know Cullen is still assembling everything that you guys, uh, that you guys make. Which is um, very impressive Colin I have to say I'm, I'm very impressed that you assemble that many watches uh, on a daily basis it's it's pretty impressive um, so uh, you know you, you talked to us, you talk to us about some of the some of the releases right now you're in the middle of the sector release so the sector field just dropped and I think that's in three yep, four, three colors it, it's three or four three colors okay and then there was another one that came out is is there
1: I'm trying to remember. There's like the smooth that one. Is that the sure, pilot? Sure, sure. So I, I can walk you through it. We, okay, uh, walk us through the sector. Sure. Yeah. So the sector family is um, like the, mm-hmm. the, the idea behind the whole sector family is that it's supposed to be a, a display of, of versatility. We, we wanted to, at the time when it first came out, we only really had dive style watches, um, and we wanted to try to push ourselves to do something a little bit different, like a field watch, um, a, a pilot watch and a sport watch. And eventually down the line, we're going to do a sector sport. We were joking about a sector deep at one point, And when we stopped drinking, we were like, that actually was a really good idea to do like a, a submersible <laughs> style uh, sector. But but basically, we, we want to have all these watches have the same core DNA, um, but have very different identities at the end of the day, right? Like the the pilot doesn't look anything like the sport, which doesn't look anything like the field. Um, So this round of sectors, uh, this is the first time we brought them all back together at the same time, Um, but we're having kind of like a rolling release. So earlier this month, we put out the Sector Sport. That's the fixed smooth bezel uh, sport watch, kind of a 369 Explorer-esque type of uh, a vibe. Um, That one came in salmon and in like a glacial icy blue. Um, the field, oh, that blue one, that one, that's yeah. the one that's in my head. <laughs> yeah. And, um, the field came out on Friday. So three days ago, um, in a couple more weeks, we're going to have the dive. And then a couple weeks after that will be the pilot.
3: And and what the field Four thirty date done. Right. Bravo. That, that was
1: the, the four thirty date, date is window. a, is a funny, funny characteristic of the watch because when we first put it out. I think the, the first run we did no date. So we get all the emails and the comments saying, if only it had a date, I would buy it. So then we, we put it out again, but with the 4.30 date that we pulled from the sector sport, right? 4.30 date but with the, the realigned number. And then all the emails <laughs> and the DMs and the comments come in and say, why'd you put a date at 4.30? So then this time <laughs> Colin and I are just like, all right, date, no date, we're going to do all of it. So now it comes with the three colors, but also with a date and no date option.
3: I just, the, the round window yeah. aligns so the numbers are, are vertical and the, the color match. That's one, one of the, the great things. You guys always take such care with the date wheels, with, with color matching, or not matching, but complimentary. Uh, it, it's not just an afterthought. And that, uh, I love that. You know, bravo. Yeah,
2: thank you. I'm glad that you like it. I'm glad because... I think we hear more of the hate from the 430 even though the date one still sold the, the best out of like the no date like you know like people who dislike it are very vocal mm-hmm. people who like it I guess won't aren't as vocal and will hear more of the more of the negativity rather than the positivity yeah. so I personally love the 430 day window I don't think it about it doesn't bother me whatsoever I don't see it when I'm look, when I'm wearing the watch unless I actually look for the date but um i guess i guess that means i'm blind to certain people but it doesn't <laughs> I mean, bother me
0: well i've got a couple of watches that have a 430 date and i've got a couple of different executions of that i've got the one that's very similar to yours in a a small round color matched date wheel on one of my tudors it's a tudor chronograph with a 7750 in it or 7753 mm-hmm. the one with the 369 not the 1296 mm-hmm. So I've got that there and it's color matched. The date is there. I like having the date versus not having it. Mm-hmm. And then the El Primero is kind of the original one where it's at 430. It's cut in a weird shape. Mm-hmm. Date wheel's not color matched. It cuts out of the minute track and the tachometer. but there's no other place to put it on the watch. And I don't really, again, I'd rather have it there than not. And the reason I know I would rather have the date rather than not, because on days where I'm wearing my Speedmaster, I, when I, oh, what day is it? I instinctively check my Speedy, even though the Speedy does not have a date, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's no date on this watch. Mm-hmm. I need to check my phone." <laughs> so, it's it's something that I take for granted. On like, I, I I would order the you know the 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 sector field with the date. I would be getting the one with the date. Yeah, just because I like having it there.
3: Yeah, completely impractical idea, but uh, you could always just include a little sticker that if they were that vexed. They could open the watch up themselves (laughs) and put the little sticker over the date window.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you really want to do it, you know, you know how this is my theory on how you could really annoy somebody because I thought about this when we were talking about the new Tag Heuer Night Diver, which I think is a really cool watch. But I don't like the Cyclops at six o'clock. So if you really wanted to piss everybody off, do a four thirty date with a Cyclops over it. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Colin's reaction was perfect. Oh no! (laughs)
2: Why do people do? Why do they use Cyclops besides Rolex?
3: Yeah, I've got zero clue why you would put it at the six o'clock like that. I mean,
0: yeah, the six o'clock one blows my mind. I have it on an Alpinist at at three o'clock and it's fine. I mean, that's traditionally where you're used to seeing it is at the date at three, but at six o'clock. I'm like, Oh, that looks goofy. So yeah, if you really, if you really wanted to up the hate mail, you could put a Cyclops over a date at four 30 and you'd probably be the first uh, to do that. I don't know that anybody would copy you. Um, Okay. We would, we would all like, if you ever did a, but when we do it,
1: we're going to direct them. In all of our posts, all of our marketing, if you have a problem with this, this is the Watch- Whiskey and Watches podcast email. This is where you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is why it's you there. You should
0: do a render. <laughs> yeah, do, do a render or send it. You know what you do is you send it out, you send it with a blade to hack it off. Because mm. I've, se- I've seen people take the... Now, mm-hmm. I can see doing it to a Seiko. I can see doing it to a lot of watches. I've seen people do it to a Submariner. And I'm like, Man, that's a risky move yeah. with an almost ten thousand dollar watch. Taking a razor blade to the crystal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that is not my jam. Um, but yeah, no, the I, the 430 date is just fine. I, like like we said, you guys, you guys do a really good job with the date wheels. All the details, you guys have such an eye for that. I mean, we kind of joked, um, we did an episode with Bro a few weeks ago, and Buzzy's Buzzie's thing that was grinding his gears was um we compared we compared loom on watches to punters on football teams because you know, if, if you have a good punter, everybody knows, Hey, this is a great punter. So if you got great loom, it's awesome. If you have a noticeably bad punter or noticeably bad loom, everybody knows you can get away with a league average punter or with like just kind of average loom. Mm. You guys in my head are, I look at this watch when I come in from outside with the loomed bezel and everything on there and the multicolors. And I was like, you guys are able to do this in an awesome package for I think I think this watch listed for what like four hundred and fifty dollars five hundred dollars when you yeah, guys had I think, think four fifty
1: something like that.
0: Like you guys put so much loom in multiple colors and in a ceramic bezel in a watch for four hundred fifty bucks that's in an awesome package, and there are some big Swiss brands who can't do that. And I'm like, why? Hmm. If Wes and Cullen can figure this out and put awesome loom, and are you guys have even then upped the loom game? Because I think you went from C, this is C three. I think you went to the. Is there an X in one of the? Yeah, X ones you guys are using now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys get it. Like the loom stuff is fantastic. You even put it in the crown on the duality. Like, come on, come on, guys. Come on, everybody so else. Now,
1: <laughs> now with um with with the amount of volume that we're doing, we actually started ordering loom directly from Super Luminova. Um, but but well, let, let me step back a bit. Back to your point about just you know, a lot of larger brands, and not, not just in Loom, but a lot of all these nitpicky, or not they're not nitpicky because they do matter, but a lot of the things that only a watch enthusiast would complain about, a lot of big brands don't do these kinds of things. And um, I actually had a question for you guys about during, especially during the pandemic, when all these brands had to kind of adjust how they uh, communicated with their customers. Have you guys noticed as as consumers, as watch enthusiasts, have the big brands done anything different when the pandemic happened, and all the retail stores got shut down, um, or, or micro brands. Have you noticed any, any brands doing things differently in the past couple of years?
0: I'll let you go ahead first, Buzzy.
1: Yeah, that's a,
3: that's a good, uh, that's a good question. And I think to a certain extent, whether I'm noticing anything different like i'm i'm not the demo that's that's driving most of the volume because us enthusiasts i mean obviously we do buy watches but still like the we're the we're a very small part of like the overall spend if you will uh, of in, in watches i mean most customers are casuals i think that just kind of come in um the The only thing that was really different that jumped out at me is um was from um well okay let me see, let me think of any of the larger ones don't I i mean the the first thing that jumps out at me is actually uh Jonathan at brew yeah, uh I was gonna that bring him The uh, exhibition yeah. uh and that's um and it's funny because they're really like, that's kind of like a, a celebratory mm-hmm. you know, we're we're done with this this nonsense, uh sort of thing. Um but you know, as far as yeah, I mean as as far as the majors, I, I can't really think of anything. I mean, they did some of their
1: trade shows differently. Um but well, World's probably you know, not I mean, going to happen again, right? I think that
0: yeah, that, that's gone. yeah, I, yeah that's, that'll be yeah, <clears throat> that'll be interesting. I think
3: it's probably the biggest change yeah. for the big ones because I mean they all had s- decent online presence mm-hmm. before.
0: But- what I will say is the thing that I have noticed as the pandemic wore on is that a lot I'd started to see a lot more of an Instagram presence from the larger brands. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because I feel like that's where the micro brands tended to live prior. Mm-hmm. Like all the all the interactions that I've had with all of the brand owners, yourselves included, have all started on Instagram. You guys are a lot more engaged there on the social media. You're a lot more responsive. And, you know, we we've all long talked about that. That's the nice thing about buying from a brand like Notice is that when I'm emailing info – I'm emailing Wes. I'm not emailing some other person who answers the generic email account. Um, I find it interesting that Cullen got the better of the two email addresses. He actually got to use his name uh, <laughs> in his that Wes is stuck being info. But, uh, you know, that, that is what it is, you know. <laughs> um, so the, the the thing that I was I always thought was going to be interesting is this pandemic we're on was how long would it take the big brands to realize that engaging with the consumer so via social media, whether or not you're in, truly engaging, but trying to get engagement there and drive traffic because all of your boutiques are closed for a few months mm-hmm. or less people are going out and shopping or, or this, that and the other. How are you going to get your product in front of people? Um, you guys were already doing that. To me, I think the issue that you guys were potentially going to face was what we just talked about with the supply chain. And if, if you guys could figure that out, man, you, you know, you guys were really, really kind of ahead of the game because you had already figured out how to reach your target market using social media. And I think it took some of the larger brands a while to get there. The one that, and I know you guys know them too, at least here in the States, because they're always at wind up and all the other fairs that you're at. Oris seemed to be the one larger brand that had that figured out right away. Mm -hmm. Um, We did multiple zoom calls with them with all their new releases for our red bar group here locally. um, They actually brought their Airstream out. To Cincinnati a few uh, early August, which was a really cool event. Just hung out at a brewery and looked at watches on an airstream trailer. It was mm-hmm. just it was a really neat thing. But again, that to me that kind of reminds me of what you guys just did. What I know um, Chase from Oak and Oscar has done with his owners meetups. Like again, that's it seems like what these brands are trying to do is stuff that was already done mm-hmm. by. The, the independent brands here yeah. local you know, here in the, in the United States. So I know, I, I think my first exposure to, um, you all, and I think Monta was listening to another podcast and you guys actually being there or Monta actually being in Nashville with the girls from 10 and two, looking at watches in someone's apartment, just hanging out like it, you know, the, that whole thing, I think it took a while for the larger brands to, to, um, to catch up, and the reason I will say I think they've all kind of caught up and realized the importance of social media is because I've started seeing Patek ads on yes. Instagram now, yeah, and that yeah. has never been a thing up until like two weeks ago. Yeah. And if Patek is doing it, that means everyone's doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So to that point, though, one one of the the big issues that we realize with socials is that. 2020 happened, we were almost already ready for 2020, us along with all the other micros that are kind of mm-hmm. born digitally native um, a, as a company. And pretty much all, like, we, all of our friends, like all, all the micro brands that, we, that we're friends with, we all sold out like that, like mm-hmm. overnight. Because we were already digital, then the stimulus checks went out, people have to spend the money, so they just bought anything that they could get their hands on. And then the bigger brands, they, didn't do any e-com sales. You had to go to the, the boutique. So there was this hunger that there was a void that needed to be filled, I think, by a lot of the independents. But then this year happens, everything opens up, and all, like you were, you guys were both just saying, the bigger brands kind of understand how the, the consumers are behaving now. They know where they're living. They're, they know where their eyeballs are now. So they start paying for all of this ad ad spend on, on TikTok and Pinterest and Instagram and all that stuff. And what happened is we actually, I, I personally feel like we got squeezed out of the Instagram algorithm because we've never placed ads before. Like our, our engagement went down by a half. Not, not that I really think that there's a, a really close correlation between that and our business health, but I definitely noticed way less engagement in terms of likes and commenting. Our DMs, I mean, we're getting maybe 20% of what we used to get. Um, we had about 17.8 thousand followers for a good eight, nine months. So I think it's pretty obvious what happened was Instagram was making all this money. So they're bringing up all the other paying accounts, all the paying business accounts to the, to the top and letting their followers see what they're posting. Um, and one of the mistakes we made was we actually placed our first ad two weeks ago, but that we're maybe three weeks ago now, but that ad expired. And I'm like, all right, cool. That was fun. We got a whole bunch of, uh, of likes It pushed us to 18,000, uh, which was awesome, which we're at right now. And, um, then it expired. We stopped paying. And now our likes are even less than it was before we start placing the ads. Uh. So I think the mistake was showing Facebook. All right. Yeah. We're, we're interested in paying something to, to get some visibility. Um, So yeah, there's, I mean, there's that.
0: It could be worse though. It could be worse though. We actually had <clears throat> one of our buddies who you guys will be able to figure out who it is, but his account, like he, he, he owns it. He owns a, a, a brand and his account got suspended essentially they they took it down because he doesn't sell watches but he sells watch accessories mm. and those accessories get attached to watches so when he's showing a picture of his product with you know on a Tudor pelagos but he doesn't sell Tudor it got like it took him it took him like 3 weeks to get it back yeah essentially you know he he had a legitimate business selling not the watches that these products were pictured with mm-hmm. but it it was just something screw with the album algorithm. It got flagged and it got taken down. Yeah, um, which was just nuts. So. Um well, yeah, I, I th- that is kind of the danger with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I do have a call with Facebook tomorrow. Um, I accidentally, when, when we were placing the ads, I accidentally locked myself out of the account because I have no idea how that <laughs> ad platform works. Um, but luckily I have a couple of friends that work at Facebook. So I called them and I said, Hey, I need help to get back into the account. Um, so they helped me get back in. And then I got an email from one of the managers of the ad, whatever you call it. And, um, basically said, Hey, uh, if you have any questions and I'm like, you know what? I have a lot of questions. Let's, uh, let's get on the phone <laughs> and, uh, and talk. Um, but the, I mean, the other I, thing I, that I was, yeah. that I had on my mind though, was when, when you guys were talking about how the bigger brands are doing a little bit better as far as their communication goes, I've also noticed that uh, outside of the whole social media and, and all that, they're also, we're actually hearing these companies, or at least the leadership of these companies, they're making public statements in a way that they haven't before. Like there was recently, and and we were just on the Scottish Watches podcast. I think I got a little drunk and and bashed Rolex for this, but, but Rolex put out this statement about how they're not throttling supply or or something or another, which is like, I mean, most people are probably going to believe it. I'm going to get a lot of hate for, for what I said, which was just that I, I don't know if they're, throttling on purpose but they're definitely not doing anything to figure out their supply chain after a hundred however many years they've been around um and the the analogy i used was tesla which is a company that kind of like rolex has demand that like way way outweighs the supply but tesla's opening factories in texas in germany in china like they're they're doubling the size of these factories too whereas rolex for the most part has, has been just there we're happy you want to watch try to buy it if you can't we don't really care so i i think my big problem was that they don't really have their incentives aligned with uh with consumers um, and then a couple of weeks ago seiko president also put out a kind of like a weirdly put statement about how uh what Seiko's boring or like they're not they're not putting uh cool watches out anymore but these are things that i don't think would have happened if it was you know pre-covid
0: I I tend to agree with that statement completely. I think they're realizing that there's a certain subset of consumer or maybe that subset of consumer is influencing other consumers who are now starting to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago was one of the things that I think Hodinki has done brilliantly because it has been co-opted by other, other platforms is that they've kind of introduced watch collecting as a lifestyle and that was one of the things that was the big gripe for me is it's this used to be a cool hobby that all of us nerds who I mean I know you guys got into it with the Seiko mod scene which is you know that is that is a niche of a niche of people who like Seikos and also like to mod Seikos and it it, you know all of that kind of stuff but it's like Hodinkee has found a way to monetize this by saying hey this is a cool thing that you can do, especially if you like these expensive things and have a lot of disposable income Mm -hmm. and they pitch it as a lifestyle. And I don't fault them for that because that's how they've made money off of this. Like understanding, you know, what makes all of these things tick, it's a fascinating hobby, but it wasn't what it has become because it wasn't ever pitched as a lifestyle. It was pitched as a, you know, a collector's, Mm -hmm. you know, like niche hobby. Um, And I think that is... That's creating some of the weird dynamics we're seeing. I think that's creating some of, like you said, some of the public communication that is happening from these, from these larger brands. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, it, part of me is it's like they're being pulled into the 21st century, a decade, two decades too late because they're starting to realize that people are spending money elsewhere mm-hmm. because they can, because there's a presence, because, you know, I, I find it funny cause you mentioned that, that, you know going into 20 you know going into 2020 and parts of 2021 all the micro brands you guys know are selling out fairly quickly it tells you there's a demand for your products mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. tells you there are people who care enough about the watches that care enough about the story that care enough about the design at the price points that you guys are at that you guys can sell this product that tells that tells everybody that there's a demand that's not being met and I always go back to your point with Rolex and essentially they threw their ADs under the bus, which I think is hysterical. Also in fairness, I think Rolex also knows that if they ever decided they wanted to go like AP and not have any ADs, they could do it if they wanted to. Um, and I think there's a, there's a few things there, but I always go back to their quote of, they're not in the business of selling watches, Mm -hmm. which is why they still have ADs, which is also why they don't sell watches or don't make watches or, or whatever the issue is there. They're not in the business of selling watches, which is hysterical. Um, but the fact that they they claim to make as many watches as they do, I look at the brand was always always seems to be in the same storefront as Rolex at least in my experience and it's a brand that I like that treated me fairly well despite me being a nobody and purchasing my first for my second child and getting it getting one of the first ones that came to the United States because the the sales guy for Omega excuse me Omega at the time that's after. Casino Royale. Still Um, is
3: Omega. Still is Omega.
0: It's going to be Omega for a long time until the new James Bond says it a different way. Let's see if you can find a third way to say it. That'll be fun. Um, Didn't
2: didn't she say Omega?
0: Omega. Yeah. There's an R at the end. You're right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I got to start putting that there too. Um, Uh. So like they, they make Swatch group makes a ton of watches. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yes, if you want a new speedy and somebody beat you to the store, you may have to wait a week, a month to get one, but you don't have to buy something else. It's just like, oh yeah, we just sold the 3 we had. We should get another one in a couple of weeks. I'll give you a call when it comes in. Like, mm-hmm. they don't seem to have a hard time meeting demand for moon watches, for bond watches, for anything there, and they make a lot of watches. So, yeah. I, I don't quite get like you said. I mean, we we even joked about this. Like, I know your guys' drops sell out quickly, but you guys are able to make as a, you know, Two-person shop, three-person. I know you guys have Cam, who kind of helps with some of the social media stuff. But like, you guys are a very small company, and you guys can still find a way to make watches and deliver them in a reasonable time frame. Like, I don't understand why Rolex is having such a hard time with certain models. It's it's just it's funny.
1: Yeah, but. yeah. They they don't want to, right? I, it's not in their interest yeah. to do it. The other
0: thing that I will say, and I I think you guys again we're kind of the first to start doing this. I know that that you, I think over the summer, you did a road trip. You mentioned driving Mm -hmm. across the country because I saw you hang out with Justin and Mike in Monta in St. Louis. I know you said you passed through Cincy. Um, I know uh, um, Steve was out recently from Raven, was out hanging out with you guys in California, um, which is cool. So the interesting thing there is you guys have, you guys started doing that, you know, right as some of the travel restrictions kind of left, left like, kind of picked up Mm -hmm. which which was good we started to see some of the larger brands now send their reps out like we said oris was out i was just at an event with grand seiko hamilton was out recently it it seems again like it's six to 12 months behind but Mm -hmm. they're they're sending people out again it's just like it seems like if there's going to be a trend that the bigger brands are going to do whether they were going to do it prior you guys always seem to be the first movers which is kind of awesome i kind of love that
1: (laughs) yeah I'm am funny just just back to the uh the events i mean we we missed doing that so much um like before the pandemic we did this thing called notice tours and uh, we had the entire 2020 planned out we were going to do the south we were going to go down to nashville and and a couple other cities to hang out with um the 10 and 2 podcast and do like a meetup there we we're going to do our annual toronto new york ottawa trip and we we're going to add montreal uh we we're going to finally do the pacific Nor- northwest and victoria vancouver so we, we had plans to do all this. Um, and I actually did, I went to, um, to Europe, this is in February. So literally right up to the, the wire of, of COVID in February and in March, I did Europe and I did Asia and, um, ton of fun. And as soon as everything shut down, it was like, well, there go all the plans for the year. But as soon as, as soon as we knew for, for sure, we had to cancel all those flights and all the meetups. We were like, all right, as soon as things opened up, that's the first thing we're going to do again. The the notice tours was always our, our highlight of the year along with the windup and, and, you know, all the events in San Fran and New York, but the tour was our thing. You know, that was like a notice specific tour where we get to see a different part of the country and hang out with people that already knew us.
2: I miss it. Yeah. I'm stuck here, man. (laughs) I got to get out. (laughs) so Intersect was a lot of fun because that was our first event since November 2019 first time seeing people um, well like together um, as an official event since November 2019 Uh, Turnout was great Uh, people were hanging around until like after dark from 3pm to like 9 Um, and I think it just showed how much people also missed it Mm -hmm. Um, they just wanted to come out and just chill like I get, I don't think people have like really done really many meetups. Uh, I am mean, obviously not as much as before, so it was just great to see that. Um, and we just want to do, we want to do another one, uh, in like by the end of the year, cause it was just so much fun.
3: Yeah, it's funny. One of the other things that I've noticed from the big brands and kind of also, uh, Falls under this thesis that that we've got uh, of the micros doing it first. I've seen a lot more push, and maybe maybe this was always an option, but I've seen a lot more um, e-commerce uh, out of them. You know, they they've really um, make it pretty obvious that you can buy direct uh, from them. I'm not really sure why anyone would want to uh, you're not exactly gonna haggle with a website right uh, but you know uh, all of the micros are are used to that I mean that's I, I, I that's one of the first times I've actually liked the term digital native Wes when you used it <laughs> earlier because that makes utter sense yeah Um. that that your business um, is just utterly completely from the ground up built around the idea of the internet like when I hear that applied to kids I I get depressed honestly like yeah. because when, when I grew up the internet wasn't to everyone's houses it wasn't constantly on and it sure as hell wasn't in your pocket 24-7 yeah. and uh, I think that there's Uh, definite benefits to how it used to be. Um, So, but yeah, seeing lots of e-commerce out of the, the larger brands. Well, and I want to go back to something that you brought up, Wes,
0: talking about the new comment from the new president of Seiko about how some of their stuff is boring. I don't remember who it was that I was talking to. It was on this podcast, but and it might not have even been a guess. It might have just been one of those things where we were talking about what you guys were doing, what Jonathan at Brew is doing, what Manta is doing. And he, he made the comment about how Seiko, for the longest time, had tried to, be, tried to be everything to everybody. I mean, if you look at everything, we always joke that one of the things we like about Seiko is, you know, you got the Seiko 5 all the way down here, and you have, like, the Krator, absolutely insane handmade pieces at the other end. Like, if, depending on how much you want to spend, Seiko's got a price point for you. But one of the things that I've, I've liked about what's come up with, and I don't like, we talk about the micro brand and, 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 and all of those types of terms, but I mean, I, I, like, I almost think of it more as independent designers. What mm-hmm. you guys are doing is, you know, you guys are using a tried and true movement in your pieces and you're designing a case, a dial, everything that fits together in an, an amazing package that competes with what somebody would normally go in and pick up. I mean, yes, turtles are great, but a lot of what Seiko makes in what I would say is kind of your competition from a price point. The design is eh. like if if I'm looking for something, and this is what I love about what the independent brands bring is for $500, I can go look at a notice. I can, if I want something really funky, I can go look at what Jonathan's doing. If I want something a little bit more traditional that, that harkens back to a bygone era, I, Lauren and Lorenzo at Laurier are doing some pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like For that price point, everyone's using a similar movement. Everyone is using, you know, you know you're going to buy a Seikamu, you're going to buy a Miyota, you're going to have a, you know, maybe you're going to have a... Um,
3: Solita.
0: Salida. Why was I blanking on Salida for a second? I like, forgot about Salida. Um, That's just how
1: the entire you know, watch gonna... industry feels about Salida.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Like, like, oh, we can get an edit instead. Yeah, let's get an edit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, if I'm going to spend that money at that price point, it's like, I want a killer design. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys provide is you provide the absolute killer design with all the little details. Like, 'cause cause Seiko, if Seiko's designing a watch for four hundred and fifty bucks, they're like, okay, what do we got? What can we put together? Okay, like they're not gonna color match the wheel. They're not even gonna line up the damn bezel or the chapter ring or anything. Yeah. Like that that watch is is that's their entry-level watch. This is well, the, your guys' is bread and butter. This is well, what you guys focus on and all the details, everything on this. Works. The bezel action on this is better than on my SPB 149, which they charge significantly more for. I mean, it, that to me is, I think, why there is such demand for what you guys do. And, it, you know, I, I kind of look at that and it's like, yes, there's, I'm talking to you guys. You guys are the people behind the brand. And everybody knows that. And I think you guys put yourselves out there, the micro brand owners put themselves out there to talk about their product a lot more than the new president of Seiko, who was the new president of Seiko and a long line of former presidents of mm-hmm. Seiko. It's it's a different feel. And, you know, the whole idea of, you know, I, I think the pandemic has probably even done even better for this. The whole idea of, of shopping local, supporting, you know, small business owners. You guys, You guys are small business owners. You guys have a watch brand, but you guys are small business owners. I would much rather spend money at this price point on something that looks as cool as this does, as you guys, this is an audio medium, so nobody can see that I'm holding up the (laughs) retrospect, but that looks as cool as this does. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think if I remember correctly, when you said, Hey, uh, you know, you want to, you want to try on a watch? I was like, if you send me the salmon dial, I'm probably just giving you my credit card number. Like I I knew that if you sent me this watch, I was probably just going to buy it from you. And I think we knew that (laughs) from the beginning.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) do you want to see another watch?
0: (laughs) I mean, I, you know, we love it uh, that that that, that <laughs> racial blue um, sector sport would be dangerous uh, because that's the one like I was like, oh, that looks really good. Um, and you guys, I think if I remember, you guys did a new bracelet, and a new clasp. And I asked if I could retro that onto the old one. So do you want to talk a little bit about what's going on with that new one? Because I know we've talked a lot about bigger discussion items, what you guys have done. What, let's talk a little bit more about some of the details mm-hmm. on what has come out and maybe if you guys want to give a little mm-hmm. teaser on what you guys are working on, you know, we, we always love to hear some of that stuff. Cause again, the design, mm-hmm. the creativity that, that you guys have is I think what draws a lot of, of your customers to uh, your products. So let's, let's talk about that bracelet and that clasp first. Sure. I'll let Colin take this
2: one. <laughs> is this, is this for the sector or our, our, our upcoming clasp? That's uh, like our in-house adjustable clasp. I think that's the one. Okay, yeah. So we're going to debut that on the Avalon 2 at the end of the year. It's um you know, it's just if you wear a bracelet, you know that like you need a it's very convenient to have some clasp back and you can just adjust on the fly because your wrist your wrist swells, it gets big, it gets small. Wes, don't laugh. And then uh it, are we still talking about the it, uh, the so, wrist
1: or the other thing?
2: Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, so you gotta adjust it on the fly, you know, a la Rolex glide lock, you know, all that stuff. So we wanted to make our own design. Um, we could have easily just copied some people because mm-hmm. we had the same vendors who make the exact same class. We could have just done that, put a logo on it, call it a day, but uh, we, that didn't sit right with us. So we just, we actually had a mechanical engineer friend help us design. Um, a clasp from the ground up, um, super easy to use. It has a little button on the inside. You press it, and then you can like just do that, and then it'll adjust. Uh, we're we have a prototype of it, and then we're gonna have the final version ready by end of the year. So it's really exciting for us. The first thing, the first real class we've we've uh, made um, with the uh, adjustable feature. No more micro adjust. You just got that that little glide thingy. It's it's gonna be really, 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 really cool.
1: I think it's Sounds worth noting awesome. that um, that we're we're debuting it on the Avalon too, because the Avalon. I mean, now th- this is years ago, right? Um, Twenty eighteen, when we put the Avalon out for the first time. That was, I mean, not a lot of people know this, but the Avalon, when it first came out, was our make or break moment. Like the bank account was running dry. We weren't really sure how, how well this was gonna go. I mean it's a it's a cushion case diver, which we all love, right? Watch people love it, especially Seiko fans. But it, it is it is it's kind of a weird watch in, in in the sense that it looks funny. Like cushion cases just look fun- They don't look like a watch when you think of a traditional watch, right? So it luckily went pretty well. So that we I guess made it past that that big point. Um, and for us, the Avalon too, is the next, I guess it marks the next chapter for us where we're, we we want to be taken more seriously as a brand. We want to show that we aren't just making a design in Photoshop and sending a 2d drawing to the engineer, say, make this do whatever you want, but make, make it like, you know, do this. We're a lot more involved now in, in the entire supply chain. Um, we, and I think we talked about this on the last show um, but we don't work with OEMs for this reason, because with OEMs, we don't have the flexibility to do a in-house design uh, clasp, because a clasp is so much harder to make than a watch. The, the tolerances have to be a lot tighter. Um, the finishing needs to be a lot finer. Everything about a clasp is just way harder than it is to make a watch. Um, and... It's partially because manufacturers don't really do that. You know, they have the same three or four designs, and they just rehash it over and over again for all the brands that want to use that clasp. Um, so for us, all the work we put in uh, the first three years of Node is building out that supply chain and, and you know knowing the the people that make all these components enabled us to build our own clasp um, and experiment with it too, right? Like we this we probably had like three or four prototypes at this point. Um, always had like small issues here and there. Um, We're we're finally close to having it done, but none, this entire process would have been either impossible or just so difficult to do and time consuming and money consuming that it would have, would not have been feasible for a a micro brand to do something like this.
2: Yeah, that's we wanted, we had, I'm telling you, we could have copied that one, that one damn clasp. that, Is going to pop up everywhere now. I think Chris Ward designed it, but now it's being used by uh, other brands. By everyone,
1: yeah.
2: I mean, it's a good clasp, We could, yeah. It is. We were literally showed by the the (laughs) battery. Use this. We're like, I know that clasp. I don't want to copy them. So let's
1: just try something else. Yeah. (laughs) So the Avalon 2 kind of marks the next chapter for us. It, uh, it closed that first really difficult chapter of notice, like getting the brand out there, at least to the enthusiasts, making sure they knew who we were. I think second chapter was really us releasing all the designs that we, that we dreamt of releasing, the control duality and, and rehashing the design a few times so that it gets closer and closer to what we envisioned in our heads. And I think Avalon 2 onwards, it's, I mean, who knows what the next chapter will be? But hopefully, it's breaking out of this mold, and and I I think convincing people that we're not just designing something in Photoshop or Illustrator and sending it to a factory. I think we we want people to know that we're a lot more involved now.
3: Well, yeah, and that's that's a fantastic way to do it, and I, I would argue that that is the I I would say it's the important the most important way. Uh, to do it because um, That's a touch point every single time you put the put your watch on or take your watch off Um, Good clasp makes makes a world of difference. I I really um, Believe that the tool is that just it it adds a It just improves your life so much uh, as a watch wearer it's really hard to understate that and even when it's not pulled off perfectly right like I, the 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 Doxa 300T clasp it's not perfect um my my biggest gripe is there there's some some sharp corners some sharp edges right it's really more of a a finish than than a design issue um but you know even with that i i adore uh having that so you know movements I think that some people wax poetic about them, but like nobody really cares so, you know certainly not unless you're spending five figures like i i would I would posit that, so yeah uh, investing in. Developing and taking some risk there with the class, yeah, that's that's fantastic because we know that it's going to be a flamethrower with the loom um, because we we can see the uh, the oil tanker full of super luminova waiting to land in uh, Long Beach uh, just (laughs) to support the launch.
0: (laughs) There's one tanker out there that's just all loom for notice.
3: Exactly. They, well, they were a little sloppy when they filled it up. So you can see it at night pretty it glows good. Like <laughs> it's a whole thing, you know, but well, yeah, uh, that's, that's excellent news.
0: Yeah. I mean, Buzzy has always been the one who has said you, you at least touch your, your watch clasp at least twice a day. Mm-hmm, You're, uh-huh. You put it on, you take it off. It's the one thing that you touch yeah. constantly. Um, so yeah, and, and what's the one thing we always complain about with Seiko's at at a certain price point? Like it's their clap. Like it's the one thing we always joke about. It's a Seiko. Now the funny thing that I have learned too, like it, you mentioned that that point about you know having to design this and and you know that that these these factories want you to use what they have. Our buddy Rick, who owns Cincinnati Watch Co., when he was designing. And it's one of his more popular watches. It's his um, quartz captain that he's got in a bunch of different colors. Super thin. And he actually wanted the factory to make like an old-fashioned, like 60s or 70s, really thin stamped clasp. And he's like, they couldn't do it. He's like, they kept sending me these things, and they were super thick. And I was like, he's like, can't you make... Oddly enough, he's like, "Can't you make a shitty clasp like you used to, like thirty years ago?" He goes, "I no, I. This is a very thin watch on a thin bracelet. I want it to feel vintage." He goes, "You need to make this worse," <laughs> and he couldn't get him to do it. That was his one gripe. Was he's like, "I want them to make this really thin stamped clasp," and they don't know how. Um, so the fact that you guys are, are are debuting your own design on something as complex as a toolless micro adjust, like I, I can't wait to see that. Um, just because it's, it's one of those things, again, it's, it's that, it's that touch that you get when you see people who know what they're doing and know like how to lay out the design. This, the fact that you guys like, this is what makes sense. This is what people want. This is something I want to spend time designing just kind of speaks volumes to the care you're putting in the products. Um, and that doesn't go unnoticed, especially in, Yeah, especially amongst people who are willing enough to try to have a podcast about this topic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very looking forward, like really looking forward to seeing that on the Avalon too. Um, And then you guys kind of mentioned you're looking at potentially doing at least a new line. You don't have to do any, any ridiculous spoilers, but it, it, it'll be pretty exciting to see. So 2022, hopefully one, one new model. Is that what we're thinking?
1: Sorry, your, your connection broke up a little bit there. So I only got like okay.
0: half yeah. of that. Sure. Yeah, no, oh, I thought, and I, can I, see thought that. I was the only one. Okay, Yeah, no, it's me. And, and you guys are all clear, which is what the fun part is. So so you said 2022, potentially looking at one new model. Is that kind of, you don't have to spoil it or, or, or give it all away, but mm-hmm. at one completely new release, any any direction, any any hints, any anything like that? I'd, I'd, have, to, small. I'd have
1: to
2: ask. We're going small. Like 29 mil? Small, thin, and then... Okay, no. Uh, I think, uh, well, it's actually not that small. It's like, but it'll be thin, like 10 millimeters, hopefully. Sweet. Um, but then at the, on the other end, we want to make like a 15, 16 millimeter sector deep or something like, like a little bruiser of like a watch that's like super thick just because it, just because it can be, um just to mess around and see what happens. So 10 millimeter and maybe like a 15 millimeter. Who knows? Nice. I, I have a soft
0: spot for kind of chunky purpose-built deep dive watches. Yes. So the 10 millimeter one sounds absolutely awesome. You guys will probably sell an absolute ton of those, but like I would love to see you guys do a chonky dive watch Mm. just because those are so much fun. Like, I like having a little bit of weight to my watches. I, my grandpa listens to the podcast and he, he's, he's worn a titanium Seiko for the longest time. Like he's just the, the first watch that I can remember being like, Oh, I want to buy a watch. I bought a titanium citizen because of this titanium Seiko that he has worn for years. Um, and he, he tried on just one of my regular Seiko divers that I've got. And he's like, Oh, this is really heavy. And I'm like, yes, yeah, because you have a titanium watch and those are really light. Like he didn't quite mm-hmm. get that. That was the, so it just having a nice thick, like hefty watch on and purpose built uh, that, that, that I'm really excited about because mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see what design direction you guys would go with that. Um, I'm curious. Too. I think there's a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: I am curious too.
0: I mean, I'm sure it'll have a ton of loom on it. Cause you know,
2: has
1: to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean... It must. Yeah. If it's going to be down there where there's not that much light, it's got to glow.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what makes me nervous about doing like a non-sport watch, like a dress watch, right? It's like, do we put loom? Do we put a bit of loom? Do we not put any loom? It's like, which direction do we go with the dress? Because I feel like we've been talking about doing a dress watch for at least a couple years now, but... And, and we've tried to design it, too. Like, we have a bunch of renders and a bunch of ideas floating around, but nothing that makes us feel compelled to to want to wear it. So it's uh, back to, to, I don't know. I don't even know what stage we're at with that right now. We might just restart.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Buzzy. I like the idea of a dress watch. But given the way things have shifted, like, I, I struggle to... Think of situation like I can think of certain situations where I'd, I'd throw it on, but like to me, and part of it is just where I where we live now. Cincinnati is humid like nine months out of the year, mm. and I just it be like leather straps don't like they just don't appeal to me right now. Like they're just starting to, and there's I have an Oris that that I absolutely love the leather strap, and I don't wear it as much in the summer. I like the nato that they came that it came with too but like I don't wear it as much in the summer because I like it on the leather and like I am not wearing leather in Cincinnati in <laughs> July it's just like mm-hmm. that leather's not going to last like I made that mistake one time when I first got into the hobby not switching out the strap on one of my tutors and I wore it on a walk just like a 20 minute walk outside and I came back and I'm like what's that smell And it was my watch. Like I had sweat so much that the suede backing on the leather just got like really gross. Um, From one walk, one walk, literally twenty minutes outside Uh. in Cincinnati in July, did it. So, like I, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like you guys could you could you could probably pull off a dress watch. And I think, I think you guys, just knowing you two, I'd throw some loom on there. But I don't know how like. It'd be a creative way to do it, like like on this one, the loom around the date window. I still can't see the date when it's lit up, but it's there, and I love it. <laughs> like it's it's it'd be a little touch like that. You'd be like, I feel like if you guys did loom on a dress watch, it wouldn't necessarily be functional loom. It'd just be loom for loom's
3: sake, <laughs> which would be cool. <laughs> okay. I tell you what, I'm a I'm a big fan. Uh, obviously, it doesn't work on, on my Tudor because it's too old. I'm a big fan of the look of uh metal markers and then just little loom pips. Uh and then I also uh my Breitling Colt Super Quartz Chrono. Um geez, I should like add some other qualifiers to that because that was like a super long watch name. Uh anyway that has just really tiny loom plots. Um uh, on the ends of uh, metal markers and that it, it's surprisingly useful uh, even even if you ha- don't pre-charge it I mean I've've been pretty impressed with how readable uh, it is uh, at night. so I, I guess uh, my only input is you don't need to have that much area for it to mm-hmm. be
2: be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my grand goes the same way. It has the metal markers and then you got the little tiny loom, like squares at the end. Yeah. And then when you need it, it's there, you'll see it. It'll be got to look a bit harder, but you can still see it in the in the in the dark. So I think uh, we should either do either do that or just do like a giant FU and just <laughs> put no loom at all. Or, <laughs> Or put it, like, in places where it's just not functional whatsoever.
0: And then do (laughs) a lot of it. (laughs) Do a lot of non-functional loom.
3: (laughs) No. Loom dial that doesn't look like it's a loom dial. Take some of that extra... loom that you'll have when you offload it from the tanker and just figure out the way to mix the colorants in just right mm-hmm. to make it look just like a normal ass style but then night comes and ta-da. so so I know you guys have done, because it's, it's on this watch,
0: you've done different colors of loom What what colors are possible and I feel like if I asked you guys that you guys would be able to tell me, I know obviously blue and green what other colors are
2: possible of loom? uh in terms of it being white in the daylight, very few I would say. So you got white, you got blue, you got blue green. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so
0: what about uh, it being a different color in the daylight,
2: like maybe yeah, black they and make, gray? They make black gloom. They make they make black gloom.
0: Okay.
2: Um, it glows green. I think most of these glow green. Um, they make red. They make pink. They make purple. They make like all sorts of shades of green. Um, obviously the 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 most the strongest one would be a C3 which is kind of pale yellow in the daylight and then very strong green at night um but super luminova they make quite a few colors just no one really uses the other colors but you see uh oris with their that latest release with the gray dial on the blue loom mm-hmm. the blue yeah so you can do that like that's a quite aesthetically pleasing way of using different colored loom oh yeah well, I mean, I'm I'm wondering too. Then, if you did like,
0: if you did something that was kind of almost like a traditional dress dial with like black mm-hmm. loom, so you looked like you had like black hour markers that kind of mm. dressed it up, and then had like a subtle glow at night, that would be yeah. kind of cool. That could be something that that's that, I, that would be a dress watch that I'd be interested in. <laughs> um, and then do like loomed stitching, like that one Panerai did. Mm. Very <laughs> that's your that's your fu. They did loom stitching on the on the strap loom loom some stitching and uh put it on a black like alligator strap with just some like stitching on the outside and have the stitching glow at night (laughs) hey
3: jeez! just as long as it's got the 430 cyclops and it's called the space yeah and
0: then 430 430 cyclops
3: there we
1: go done Uh,
2: a lot of ideas
0: you know the 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 one thing about that pump can is it is a little bit of a stronger beer um so it it does help um <laughs> Buzzy's laughing He's, his tea's not quite as strong as my beer is, but um, I know you guys are beer enthusiasts I've listened to a couple of uh, a few of your episodes of your podcast that you guys do, which is a is a ton of fun just to hear you guys kind of. Banter back and forth. um with, Yeah, uh, it's
1: uh, it's podcast season again. Colin and I just did one, uh, which should be out end of the week. We did a uh, Joe Rogan style one with Steve when he was here, uh, and by Joe Rogan four style is a four hour long podcast. And we, we talked about like man, by we the drank, end, we, we
2: so were trashed by yeah. the end of it. Um, <laughs> nice. And right right after this, Once you better you better. You better edit that really like, like, or at least go over it. But sure, like, we didn't say anything really messed up. Um, but yeah, right, right after
1: this, we have a call with uh, 40 and 20 as well. I think you, you were alluding to them earlier. So yes. we'll tell them that you guys say hi.
0: Oh yeah. Now yeah, Everett, Everett and I talk quite a bit yeah. via the Instagrams. Um, he's, he's a great guy. I've never talked to Andrew because he doesn't get on the Instagrams as much, <laughs> um, but he seems like a cool guy too. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, they're, they're great. I actually, I really enjoy listening to their shows as well. And um, it is funny. Like, we don't plan this, but every once in a while, like, we'll have you guys on. And then, like, they'll have you guys on pretty quickly. It's just, it's kind of funny how, it, like, <laughs> it is podcast season. Like, I, I can remember, you know, we had Laurier on at the same time. Um, you know, the, the new Spirit of Time podcast. We have some buddies out in California. <laughs> I don't know if you've met those guys yet. Um, we well, had what are they Pennington called Pennington from Hodinkee. Oh. Hode- uh, Spirit of Time. Spirit of Time. Um, okay. Um, we had Cole Pennington on the same week that they were on, um, mm. which was hysterical. Yeah. Uh, or that th- they had him on. Just like, so Cole dropped on. He might have also been on that week's episode of Hodinky Radio. So Cole was yeah. just like on all the podcasts that week, um, which was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good a uh, lot of good watch content out there that mm-hmm. that didn't used to be. Uh, there was a new one that dropped today that I will I will give give a little bit of a shameless plug. Not that bro Dinky needs any help getting followers or listeners, but um, he and his buddy finally debuted Wrist uh, Cheese Radio. Um, he talked about that on a couple of our episodes, um, so they actually they actually did that and it was funny that we kind of started talking about the whole Rolex supply chain thing because they went off on that for like 45 minutes. <laughs> um, just the whole, their, 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 thing is horological hot takes, which I guess if you run the, the world's preeminent watch meme account, you know, that's kind of kind of your thing, but yeah, bro's a, bro's a great fan of the show. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, we, we, chat with him on a fairly regular basis. So, you know, wish him the best of luck with that. And if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It was a good episode. Yeah, yeah, I'll check it out. It dropped sure. today. So um, that one was fun. Um, but no, it's, you know, we, we've, we've not quite gone Joe Rogan style at four hours, but we've definitely eclipsed the hour mark. Um, and, you know, we, we really appreciate you guys coming on. I, I'm looking forward to what you guys come out with. Really looking forward to seeing the new clasp. You know, what you guys do is so creative. And I think, you know, we kind of talked about this. There's this space people are in this space for a reason. People like what you guys do for a reason. The amount of care, the amount of detail, the eye to detail that you guys have in in at least you know my experience with the retrospect has been amazing, and you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. really excited to see what you guys come out with um and we just really really appreciate you guys coming out and and hanging out. you know maybe next time we'll be able to have Colin drink a little bit more um, <laughs> you know. I mean, good luck. Good luck with the recovery, man. That I've, I've had my wisdom teeth out. It's not fun. So, yeah. Uh, well, thank thank you guys for, really uh,
1: for having us, and um, good luck with with the new kid. And um, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> hopefully, another year goes by. Hopefully, COVID will be a distant memory by that point. Um, and maybe maybe we can bring the notice tour to Cincy and and go to like Rheingeist or something.
0: Yeah. I, I can tell you that we would we would have an absolute blast. Rhinegeist, Madtree, any other breweries. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are big beer fans. We can probably do a couple depending on if you guys are here a couple nights. Maybe not do a get together both, but we can we can show you guys, show you guys a good time around uh around the greater Cincinnati area. And we have a really awesome Red Bar chapter mm-hmm. that loves just all, everything. So like getting cool. you guys in town, there would be a ton of people who okay, would love to Okay, yeah, let's
1: that. let's I'm count on it for uh, for 2022 for sure. Let's count on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Great. especially with that new clasp and uh you know yeah. the, the new Black Loom dress watch um all that kind of stuff.
1: So. Cool. <laughs> really looking forward
0: to it. Thank you guys so much for coming and hanging out um and you know we look forward to seeing what you guys have in store for us for the rest of this year and then 2022. So, as always you, it's guys. been a pleasure.
2: Thank you. See ya.